headphones, we're coming through your speakers at home. We potentially are coming through your speakers in your moving vehicle or we're coming through dodgy little speakers on your laptop at work because you're in the office and no one else is back in the office yet. Folks, it's me, Cordo. This is the <laughs> Sidelines Podcast. I'm joined by my host. Uh, it's BDEAP over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rolling with it. <laughs> that intro had legs. Yeah, you really started out like you're um, the real cheesy guy on the late night, like Mix 101, like uh, this is a song that Cordo <laughs> dedicated to AP. He's still thinking about you. <laughs> uh, this is from Frank to Jane. Jane, Frank didn't mean it, and she meant nothing to him. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I'm going well, mate. How's things your way? Good, good. I, I'm riding a wave of high. Uh, and you know why? Oh, rhyming—that's cheesy. But because we had the sidelines golf invitational over the Easter weekend. Yes. Oh well, really, it was more just a precursor around how it would actually work. <laughs> um, but no, we just went and had a bit of a, a sauntering nine holes at a local establishment. Yes. Uh, for those for those not out there, tie, tying up and getting golf to work. Over the Easter weekend, it's pretty difficult, um, you know, just because, you know, Jesus sort of gave everyone some Last Supper and a four-day weekend. He kind of didn't coordinate really well with all the golf courses because they just get packed. Yeah. Like very, very, very packed. Chocolate eggs and fairway woods. <laughs> yes. But, um, but no, it was good to get out there. A very tight, different golf course. The first time out there. Yeah. Thought I got to experience the ups and downs of my golf game, which is <laughs> extremely... Uh, erratic, but incredible, but then disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, your first tee shot, you landed it potentially in the hole three across, and it was yep. in the ditch, and I was like, wow, maybe he's not as good as I thought he was. But then your approach shot that landed on the green from what could only be described as a swamp about 100 metres away, I was like, oh, my, can skill. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a pretty. Even, uh, we were playing with a couple of the blokes we were playing with were uh, quite. Uh, I got asked, uh, "What club did you pull there?" Yeah, which is generally code for you had no right to hit that. That's, yeah, uh, that's the general premise of that shot. Um, but yeah, again, highs and lows. It's how I roll. So, and the two blokes that we played with were collectively a hundred and ninety years old between them, but they were like the best chilled blokes. And yeah. When you miss hit that shot and then hit an amazing approach shot, he turns to me from the buggy as they drove past us. So we were walking there on a cart. They fizz past us. And he goes, geez, I was a bit worried about your mate. And then he's just hit that. And I thought, geez, he went from stinker to absolute legend. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing like a, um, a good pairing in golf. It really is what keeps you coming back. It felt like that was the sidelines podcast. 60 years from now they were us yeah no, no, great great dudes um they got to witness both of us hit uh left-handed shots which is very unique <laughs> you know i see that one out there uh and then they also gave uh one of the other guys he accidentally grabbed the wrong driver which happened to be a left-handed driver yeah. and it took him at least two practice strings <laughs> to figure out what was going on <laughs> so uh no nah, but uh look it was a great great little hit out um Cordo, you still you still got the bug, which is always positive. Yes, I was happy. I think we did well. But mate, sports. Yes, it's all happening. This is a big week. 
very big for that, week. For those not aware, this is the Masters week, which even though it was kind of seemingly uh, not too long ago because of the delays and when they changed it, uh, this is the typical Masters time. Yes. Uh, so somehow if you don't know the Masters, it is equal parts amazingly uh, ripe with tradition and the way things are. Also, there's some things about it that are just sort of a bit weird um, and you don't mm. really know how to explain it. So I'll, I'll set a few scenes for you because yeah. I can't remember all of them. Give the people what they want. So they have a, they have a champion's dinner, which is where the winner from last year basically picks this, this meal. They pick everything about it. It can be anything they want and they make it happen. So from memory, I could be uh, just making a few things up. But uh, Scotty, when he won the Masters, he brought in some prawns and fish from uh, Queensland, I believe. Mm. Uh, he got them. They they shipped them over. Uh, you know, all, all you know, different little bits and pieces. Uh, someone, I think John Daly, famously had fried chicken. Although it's never real. I think that was just a bit of a rumor as well. Um, yeah, all these little different bits and pieces about what's going on. They have a a par three competition where they just shorten a few of the holes. And there's no real rules. Uh, you know, they try to skim it over the water on one of the holes. Um, the caddies are hitting. Mm. Um, and they famously have not jacked up the prices of their food around the golf course. So for $10, you can basically eat two sandwiches and two beers and a bottle of water. Yeah, respect. Yeah, which I feel like the MCG just had a heart attack hearing that because that's about six chips. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, somewhere in Australian sporting venues, they assumed that yes, the ten dollars was for per nugget. Yes, but uh, look, it's it's a super exciting one, and, and there's a lot of uh, nuances about it that make it sort of special, and you know the music and uh, the atmosphere. But uh, we'll probably touch a little bit later on it because we'd probably better dive into the the AFL scene first before we go down a yes. rabbit hole. Yeah, that's Which true. is a bit of a pun because it was Easter last week. That was good. That Pretty was not that. bad. Uh, like Otherwise, our audience might crack open with frustration. That was horrible. That was terrible. That was bad. That was um, terrible. But look, Cordo, I think for the first time ever, maybe an apology is needed from the sidelines. What? We were, we were wrong. Or not entire, maybe I'll rephrase that. We were not entirely correct with our early thoughts. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know what that sentence is that you just said out loud. <laughs> but <laughs> the AFL is actually scoring. They've yeah. sort of seemingly fixed the AFL. Sort of. Yeah, I'm going to go sort of. Look, the only thing I can say is the Bombers scored circa 150 points and we didn't score 150 points total last year. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll play devil's advocate and just point out that is it a coincidence that your team lit somebody else up? So you're on cloud nine, thus the league is now functioning and you're happy with it. No, not, not a coincidence. Really. No, it was, you know, it's good to see good seeing high scores. Yeah, you that's know, Sid- true. Sydney pumped Richmond. And not just, like, there was wins last year, but they were sort of like 20-point wins. And yeah. that's not a... Yeah, it's a win, great win, but you know, Adelaide are kicking goals, which is a weird thing to sort of see. Like Texas everywhere. Yeah. Like he's gotten off Twitter. He's just actually playing footy. Yep. Um you know, little things like this, which again, even if you're not a 
not a genuine supporter or you know, you're not about your team, at least if he's kicking goals, you're sort of a bit like, well, this is exciting. We're doing some things. Yeah. And he's on pace for 100 goals, which, you know, that's like an NBA player being on pace to average 45 for the season. And look, it's, you know, it was a common common occurrence uh, of yesteryear, but is few and far between. Or was it Buddy was the last one? So we had, I genuinely think that back in the day, AFL was one of the purest sports in the world purely because it relied on stocky, nuggety, rough units playing in your midfield who couldn't really run fast but would just extract the ball. And then you needed to have a unique, really strange yet awesome-looking beefcake power forward whose sole job was to just clunk and kick goals. If you had that, you had a team, my friend. And we've been starved of that culture for a long time. Long time. People like dudes kicking goals, taking grabs. Big units too. Everyone loves big units doing things, whether it's in wrestling, tennis, basketball. It's like, um, oh, what's his name from Boston? Keep getting his bloody name. Totally lost it. Big tall dude. Which one? Uh, you know, the Boston Celtics guy that everyone keeps cheering to get on the court. Cause he's like, Taco. A, yeah, Taco Fall. We love him because he's big. We love Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> like, yeah, he hits a long ball, but it also helps that he just looks like he's been at KFC for six months. Well, I'm going to give you a bit of a situation. As watching someone get 40-odd touches, you don't really sit there and go, oh, ooh. unless it's really noticeable. It's very, very few that sort of happens. But enough guys sort of get enough possessions these days that it kind of seems irrelevant. Yeah. That same guy with 30 touches two or three goals and a giant grab and everyone is like, wow, that was, that guy dominated. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's what the people want. That is. Like LeBron's rejection in the playoffs. Big. Everyone remembers that. They don't really remember his sweet assist. As good as that assist was. Yeah. They like it when it's a triple-double because it just adds to the narrative. But the fourth assist, meh. Yeah, and was it MJ's mid-range jumper to beat Cleveland or was it the dope air kick where he nearly fly kicks everyone on the side of the Cleveland arena after hitting it <laughs> that we remember? Probably a bit of both. <laughs> but look, off the back of Easter, we're gonna, I've got a bit of a question for you, Cordo. Yeah. We're going to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. See that? That's yes. Cool. Yeah, I'm quite impressed. <laughs> um, if Jesus was a sports star, <laughs> yeah, back plan for Jerusalem wreck. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I want you to have a go at what style of athlete he would have been in a variety of sports. Oh, okay. So. I want you to pick his game style and what it was in AFL, NFL, NBA, and golf. I'll also give my takes on what I think he was doing. Okay. Um, but you are more than welcome to start, or I can I can chip in with my first one. You give me your AFL one, because I feel like you've set me up with this question, so I want to equally set you up by putting you on the spot, and then I'll do the other ones, because while you give me yours, I'll be able to formulate something, <laughs> something useful for the listener. 
Uh, Jesus is a centre half forward. Yeah, he's a genuine, genuine power forward. I'd probably say he's not a Buddy Franklin style. Like he's not doing that kind of miraculous stuff. He's probably more in the Richoe, Wayne Carey, Nick Rewalt kind of kind of mould. Yeah, where he's just he's cutting some serious labs laps. Yeah, but then he's just pack marks, genuine pack marks. Yeah, uh, probably like good goal kicker, but never really. I wouldn't say he's kicking bags and bags. He was just really a you know, a good team player. Like he had the other apostles roll around there. You like to get them involved. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have him as like Michael Voss. And look for our international listeners, they got no reference to this, but. I have him as the sort of tough leader where just does everything good and you will follow into the battlefield. That's how I measure it. Yeah, I like that, that one. That infamous scene from, I think it was the 0-1 grand final, 0-2 maybe, Collingwood, Scott Burns, a known toughish midfielder running towards Michael Voss, the Brisbane Lions captain, ball in play, crashed into each other. Scott Burns... Bounced off Michael Voss like he'd been hit by a car. Michael Voss gets a ball, moves the ball along. Brisbane gets a goal. And he just stands there and looks at Scott Burns and just puffs her chest out like a robin. And that right there, they lost the game after that moment. That single act of leadership and an impenetrable shield. He's like, boys, I got this. That's how I frame it up. I like the justification for that one. Good call. <laughs> um, NFL, I'm going to go Tom Brady. Yeah, just, that one's kind of, it's an easy one. It's really yeah, only quarterback. Exactly. And like every time counted out, comes back. Not a, there's like not prickly, nasty, flashy, just meat and potatoes goodness. But then also when required, the ability to just, let everybody know what's up. Yeah. Look, uh, to be fair, I wasn't as excited about the NFL one. I kind of thought that was... I had to do it, but it, it, there's nowhere else he's playing. He's not a middle linebacker. Yeah. All right, let's just skip on to NBA. This is a tough one. I, I've I've had a few different thoughts on this one. I think I've finally settled on what I think. Okay, I want to hear it. I think he's Magic Johnson. Oh, I was going to say that. I just, I know something about, I know people can't see me right now, but you know how Magic always had those, like, he's looking at the camera and he's got these, like, over-the-shoulder passes? I just feel like he's just releasing John, like, at the backhand and, yeah. like, all this sort of stuff. You know, getting his points, but, like, Jesus really feels like a get-everyone-involved guy. Yeah, 100%. And just, like, beautiful smile. Magic Johnson yeah. has the greatest smile in the history of sport. Yeah, and, like... You know, everyone considers that, you know, Jordan and LeBron, like, goats and Jesus on the court and all that kind of stuff. Just don't feel like, it just doesn't feel like it's right. And they had asshole energy. Yeah, Magic Jesus... doesn't have asshole energy. Magic has, I'm genuinely skilled, but I'm also that dude you really want to be friends with. Yes. Like, you want Magic to come to your birthday party. Yeah, it's real Jesus vibes. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I feel like... <laughs> Let me give you a scenario where Magic Johnson would be the greatest person in the world. You get a gift from someone that you were expecting an amazing gift from on your birthday, right? So you're turning 21, you're turning 40, right? Some, some big birthday. Someone important to you, like your dad or your mom, 
you're you just think that you're going to get the most epic gift from them. You open it and you're utterly underwhelmed. Magic is the perfect person to be next to you to go, man, that's a good gift. And that smile and positivity would lift you out of the doldrums instantly. Like magic is who you want there if you get broken up with the night before your wedding. You know what I mean? He just seems like a very like. He's just very likable. That's that Jesus-like quality, baby. Times are tough. Who do you need there? You need some magic in your life. <laughs> so look, so obviously, so you're not you're not differing in the pick. No, I'm all in on the pick. All right. Wow. Didn't th- didn't picture that. Golf is a tricky one. I think the best way that I thought of doing this was to kind of just pick out some strengths of his game. Yeah. So you can probably, you can take the lead on this one if you want, because I just stole the Magic Johnson one from you. No, no, no. Uh, I'm all for this. This is your thing. And then that way, if there's any backlash on people, because we're obviously not trying to be offensive, but if there's any backlash, it's on you. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Jesus isn't a, is not a solid driver. Can't let him be, can't let him just be literally, just tearing apart golf courses but he's a surge surgical around the green like his putting is off the charts like one of the best short games you've ever seen um just a magician with irons wedges and putting like able to be going to shake hands with an opponent before the ball's actually gone in the cup yep so like and just shapes so i don't know if you've ever seen anybody out there uh bubba watson's very famous uh, wedge shot to save the Masters, which still is baffling. But for the most part, I'm going to just make up some numbers. He's about 115 metres away from the pin and had to curl it probably another, let's call it 40 metres right to left from under the trees. Yeah. Maybe 50. That kind of stuff. That's a Jesus shot. Yeah. Yeah. And also I back that Jesus would also be in the situation where he's got to hit that shot because he's, He's just everywhere. He's everywhere off the tee. <laughs> I can't dispute this, but I feel like he would have a little bit of that, like, you know, like Adam Scott, when he plays, there's no, like, douche energy that comes off Adam Scott. Yeah, that, but that's a given. Like, he's Jesus. Like yeah, he's... <laughs> and then, but then he's got Tiger Woods's ability, like, where no matter what situation he finds himself in, you just kind of go, I'm sure he's got a shot to play to get out of this. Yeah, he's so he's basically just a wizard yeah. for getting out of trouble. But then he's got a swing like Nick Faldo, where no matter how much time you put into it, you will never swing a golf club as smooth and majestic as that. Yeah, that's it, just... It's just what I picture. He can't have everything on the golf course. You know what? Let's surmise it. He's the person that if you play golf with, you give up golf. Yeah, because he'd always be just, oh, yeah, I found my golf ball and I hit a two-iron punch shot, 180 yeah. clicks through a gap. But then he's also in a genuine way calming me down after I've thrown a five-iron into a lake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But speaking of golf, what is – I I. I I want to go back to that point on the Masters. Explain out there to people what you win when you win the Masters because it's pretty different. It's different for American sports too. You win the jacket. The jacket. And you don't even get to keep it. I mean, you get it for 12 months and then it goes back in there and you only get to wear it around the golf course when you're there. That's it. 
the green if you jacket. Win, if you win again, you still get the same jacket. You get it back. There's no... I mean, Americans really do love, like, rings. Like, a very ringy kind of place. I have no idea why. Um, but there is no ring. I think you get a trophy. Um, but they, even that... get, like, the little... It's like the Augusta Clubhouse trophy. And it just looks yeah. like a shiny birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of not very... That's that's not what it's about. Yeah. Um, it's, if you Basically, if you've seen Happy Gilmore, it's that jacket, just not mustard. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a forest green... Do you, do you reckon there is a professional golfer out there who's won it, who has had a replica made and wears it around their house? No, nah, I think they just they're too above it. It'd be like it'd be like bad juju. Or do you think there's someone who should have won one? Like has Greg Norman got one that he just quietly, when no one's home, he puts it on? Nah, Greg he Greg wouldn't do it. I don't think he'd. He's too many demons. Yeah, that's true. And Greg, like we've discussed, he's become so wealthy and powerful. He's so surrounded by people. He probably is genuinely convinced he won a Masters because he's got that many yes people around him telling, Greg, you're the greatest of all time. Yeah. Um. So who's your prediction then for the Masters, for the golf fans out there? Uh, I do love DJ. Oh, and I know that's a sort of a bit of an obvious pick because he won the last one. Yeah. Um, but he's always seems to... He's really just in a good space at the moment. He's always there. Uh, I can give you I can give you another couple of... I always like putting money on Rory just because I want him to get the Grand Slam. Yep. So that's that's a sentimental pick. Yeah. Um, but Rory thinks about it too much. Yeah. So he's he's always good for... He'll have a shit round, either one two or two. He always does it at the yep. Masters. Cambo, if you're betting on an Australian... Cam Smith. Uh, this is this is from the sports bet sponsored by the sidelines. Uh, use our code and get twenty percent on your bonus bets. <laughs> Hang on, we need a D grade burnt out NBA player to, <laughs> to do yeah. our ads. Uh, now Cam Smith because he's the only player to have ever had a bogey free round at Augusta National. Yeah, which is nuts. And he I also think... now has the most dope Australian mullet. Yeah, some weird shit going on there. Weird shit. Cambo's a good pick though. Uh, again, all the big boys, you always want to go someone who's featured highly because they always sit there and talk about like, you gotta, you gotta know, you gotta know your way around Augusta. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta finished in the top three to five to really know that you, you've got it in the bag. Oh, so shit. <laughs> so, so your, your primo's DJ, your dark horse is Cam Smith, the Aussie. Yep. I mean, he finished second last year, so it's not that, not that much of a dark horse. Yeah. But okay. he wouldn't be featuring high because the the bookies and everybody, you know, everyone's on Jordan Spieth again because he won his first tournament in like four years or something like that. Yeah, I uh, do like Jordan Spieth. Yeah, Bryson will, he'll go well. JT will blow up at some point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, when the top 60 or 128 golfers in the world are trying to play around a golf course, they tend to all have a bit of a chance. Do you think golf's the most even solo sport in the world at the moment? Absolutely. I mean, there's guys that are better, but golf's just one of those things where you could be an inch left or right and your day is completely different. Yeah. My dark, speaking of day, that's my dark horse pick, little Aussie boy Jason Day. I believe him Ooh. when he says in the press that he feels the best he's ever felt. I say that every day and I don't believe that. <laughs> 
I tell myself that in the mirror as I'm lifting my free weights every day. <laughs> uh, but look, I can rest assured I'll be watching majority of it. Um, do you think... I was thinking about this before. So the Masters is like bulk prestige. It's a, It's weird, but it's bulk prestige. Do you think it's the most prestigious trophy or event to win in the world? So what I'm getting at is... In terms of it's so prestigious, they haven't even had to cave and have a trophy the size of a fridge or a massive novelty check. They've been able to go, you know what, we're going to present the trophy to you in a small lounge room next to a fireplace with an amateur and a TV host. And then we're going to end the broadcast on that note. So there's not even a crowd cheering next to you as we give you your prize. But so then it's like, has that gone to a whole nother level? Like, say, the Ashes in cricket, very prestigious, very traditional. The America's Cup or a left-field one, a gold medal. Because it's Mm. different. It's not commercial. It's actually a very old, societal, prestigious award. Look, if I'm ranking those ones, I think... I think I'd actually have the Ashes a bit lower than what people think. And that's purely because... It's only between, like, it's kind of just us and England who care about it. That's true. But the biggest cricketing nation in the world doesn't even get an invitation to the tournament. That's true. I guess the reason I like it is, and there'll be people out there that don't know what it is. It's, I mean, it's a replica now, but originally when Australia and England first played cricket, they got the bales, which is part of the stumps that the bowler is trying to hit with the ball. They burnt the bales and put the ashes of those bales into this tiny little trophy that is like the size of, it's smaller than a smartphone. And so for like however many years you have teams that win and they hold up something that the, you can barely see on the camera. That's that bit of it's cool. Like That's it's baller. cool. I just don't think it's as a great story. I just don't yeah. think it's as prestigious anymore. Okay. I would say America's Cup, nowhere anymore. Yeah. We only know, we only know it as Australians because of those quotes, and we basically got a day off. Yeah, that's, that's kind of it. What an amazing thing! A, a yacht race we win, and the prime minister of our country threatens corporations <laughs> Australia wide that if anyone sacks anyone for not showing up to work tomorrow, because it's un-Australian if you do show up to work tomorrow. You are the most, you, what do you call them? You're a mug if you fire yeah. anyone for not showing up to work tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's, our, we, that's our prime minister that hold the record, still holds a record for the fastest like beer chug. I think he lost it. Did he? Yeah. He had it, but then he also had the most beers consumed from the Hong Kong to London flight, which was the famous flight back in the day. And he lost it to David Boone. Another Australian cricketer. But anyway, we digress. I would say that the Masters the Masters has got the better trophy, but between Masters and winning the British Open at um St Andrews. Yeah. It's pretty close. Yeah, that's a good point. If they both had a jacket, you'd probably go St Andrews. Yeah, that's true. So then Olympics. Yeah, Olympics are kind of losing it now because they just sort of keep, they kind of keep realizing that that's not as cool. 
Yeah, and they, they keep made, adding in sports. Yeah, they made the critical mistake of trying to get Gen Y kids invested. Futile, futile. Leave them be. It, They'll come. Like around. it is the thing that probably helps gold medals is you know a there's less of them going on. The whole four year thing really helps them out. Yes. You know, if you win a gold medal, I it's incredible, and you've, there's a lot of work that's gone into that. Yep. You can't have just got hot, like I you know. I can't just get hot and suddenly like I rock up in the top 100 and I go to the Masters and win. You know, that for an Olympic medal, I've got to be good for four years, yeah. which is unsustainable. Yeah. I can't do anything for four years. Like, imagine being Usain Bolt and being able to go, I'm literally the fastest person on the planet and I have been for 10 years. Yeah, see... The cool, the cool Olympic medals, I don't mean to discourage anyone who's got an Olympic medal in something that I'm saying is not cool. <laughs> but if you're, you've got a gold medal in the synchronized swimming for the four-man synchronized swimming, I'm probably not as warm and appreciative of your gold medal compared to Usain Bolt, who is the fastest man in the world. Yeah. But they're both gold medals and they both count. Yes. And... At the way it's going, there'll be a gold medal for Fortnite. Yeah. I'd say the other ones, uh, Wimbledon's very prestigious, but the trophy's probably not as iconic. Yeah, because you get a dinner plate. Yeah. But very prestigious. Yeah, and you're normally winning in front of the royal family, which adds another layer. Again, jacket. If they had a jacket, which is not very British, uh, probably go a long way. Yeah. Uh. Any of the any of the major sporting codes are kind of a bit, you know, they're a bit sort of lost in the wind. Stanley Cup's cool. It's a massive ass trophy. Like it is cool. Yeah, uh, it's cool that they engrave the winning team on the trophy, so they keep adding little bits of the panels and stuff onto it. Yep, that's cool. I actually like the um, the NBA trophy. Is pretty iconic. Like it's an iconic looking one. You reckon? I it's don't. Kind of, it, I think it's, it's sort of underwhelming. It's, no, but it's weird. It's a weird looking one. It's like the World Cup. They just look like something you could buy from a shop at a trophy store. Yeah, but like see, for what's cricket. The, but Sorry, the NFL, for not for cricket, for um, soccer, football. But the NFL one, it's like a, a cheaper version of the... The NBA one sort of looks like this big, weird globe, basketball-y gold thing. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the, the Lombardi one's sort of just like... They sort of went, oh, we've got a trophy, and then... NBA came out of the trophy shop and they went, what's that? Uh, we, uh, we were just getting that too. Yeah. Shit, shit, make it a small NFL ball and put it on the top. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> <laughs> so have we established then, we think the Masters. The Masters is definitely a cool thing. Yeah. I think there's something baller about not taking a backward step and you win a green Suit coat. <laughs> There's something like there is a little bit of I like the you know the fact that you only get it when you get to go back there, and it really kind of yeah. builds that you know it's exclusive prestige about it. Yeah, you know and you like, get to go back and you get to put it on. Yeah, and you get to set the menu for the champions dinner. Not just any old shit kicker from the street. No wealthy dickhead can buy a ticket to this. It's elite because. Y'all can come unless y'all won. It is one of those things that you really do hope it doesn't get sort of 
bled out in the uh, the wash of how things are tracking where everyone goes it's not inclusive enough it's like this is one of the most elite ridiculous fancy golf courses that made their own golf tournament because of how rich they are yeah sorry yeah. just deal <laughs> yeah just deal with it i love it like i love that i think there's something really cool about that i think there's something cool about the fact that they have not backtracked on any of those traditions even though they objectively seem kind of underwhelming if you wrote them down on paper so if you didn't say to someone this is the masters golf tournament you said cool we're running a tournament um we want this to be one of the greatest sporting achievements in the world for first prize we're thinking of uh, a small cake looking trophy, uh, a jacket, and we'll let them decide what's for dinner the following year if they come back. <laughs> it sort of feels like something we would have come up with because we have no money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we're like, we'll, we'll get you the jacket, but you can't keep it because we only have enough money to buy one. Yeah. But we'll promise we'll give it to you maybe when you're back. Yeah. Just don't pressure us too hard. Yeah. I know you're not happy, but two words, budget cuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right, my man. I reckon that's about enough to wrap us up for the week. Is there anything else you want to touch on? I think that's it, mate. But, uh, you know, I do hope that your, your illustrious career into golf continues to prosper and <laughs> you enjoy the coverage as everybody out there who has to come back to the working week after a long weekend. Actually, now just quickly, just quickly. Sorry, um, I was about to wrap it up. If when I go to edit this, I'll make sure I have an, uh, I'll fade the music back down. <laughs> but um, <laughs> on the back of the Masters, would you rather this I'm gonna give you a sport, would you rather? Okay. AP retires from sport, he's a successful sporting person. Would you rather have been long term successful in a garden variety sport? So say, I don't know, billiards, uh squash, uh hurdles. So you still won Olympic medals, but it's like uh, hurdles. Would you rather, though, be long-term success in a garden variety sport or a big successful sporting code, but you were like a flashbang 15-minute popular athlete? Am I iconic? You are in both. No, would I be like a cult hero, though? Oh. But if I say yes, then I know what your answer's going to be. Oh, of course. I'm going to pick the flash in the pan. I was picking the flash <laughs> in the pan anyway. But it'd be like if I had like a great Australian Open and everyone was just like 10 years later down the track and everyone's just like, do you remember when AP had that, that Australian Open and he just had it on his strings? He was just so good and he had that random haircut and yeah, yeah, what, hap yeah, what, yeah. what happened to him? Yeah. Oh, he flamed out. Couldn't hit a tennis ball again. Yeah. Like it was all unsustainable. And they were like, yeah, but what a yeah. guy. Remember, he, then, yeah. Remember, he ripped his polo shirt open and he had that giant Hulk Hogan tattoo on his chest and the Peter Griffin tattoo on his back. Yeah. It's just like, what happened to him? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My mate said he saw him operating a crocodile tour boat in the Northern Territory. <laughs> it's always flashing the pan of the big ones. So you'd rather be that guy. Yeah. As long as I've won at the top of the whatever it is. I can't just like, if you're telling me that I have like a great iconic 15 minutes, but I lose 
you know, I'm runner up or I, I lose in the semis, then I'm not about it. Yeah, okay. That's fair. No one remembers that guy. That's true. <laughs> All right, my man. He's fading the music back up. Yeah, I'm fading the music as you're talking right now. You are hearing the music fading up. <laughs> and we better talk louder so it doesn't get too loud for me. Uh, mate, thank you very much. Nah, thanks as always, Cordo. <laughs> Folks at the Sidelines Media, thesidelines.com.au. We love all your support. Get around it. Share it. Give us feedback. Send us hate mail. Send dick pics. We're all about it. AP. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs>